big welcome to all of you out there and I'm very excited today I have a young girl with me she's only 22 but have done a lot in her life with horses uh, so a big welcome to you Tyler Hutchinson um, uh, and you are from New Zealand it's a long way from us it is a long way thank you so much for having me um yeah it's awesome to be on the podcast yeah and and you told me that you are running a a little not a little but a, but a riding school with your mother and uh, you do it in a different way so let's hear about that yeah so we run a riding school that's for new zealand kind of medium size we have about 50 to 60 regular riders and for us, one of the biggest things was introducing riders to the fact that how horses behave and how horses think, because I think it's something that's greatly overlooked in education, especially with young horse riders. So we, um, in our regular weekly lessons, and we run pony groups, which is riding and theory in one, um, the kids are consistently learning um, the theory with their riding and we have certificates for the children so that they can follow where they're at so the kids will also learn positive reinforcement and pressure release so more traditional methods and we like doing a mix for not only is it the way I personally train but it's also the way that it gives the kids a way to choose so they don't have to stick to one little box so we really push the fact that they don't have to firmly fit into like a certain training box and stuff like that our biggest focus is our horses we have 22 on site because we offer adjustment as well and I have my own um, but about nine of them uh, in the school and our school is we do like camps and lessons and all of that I started it with my mom she started when I was about 14 and I came on board very slowly. I was coaching at 16 as a working student when I was 17 um, for some big people over here. And that's where I got introduced to working with the New Zealand Wild Horses and stuff. And then I stepped into the riding school when I was probably about 19. So we've only been full-time for about three or four years now um but yeah it just kept growing and we have regular kids and we have your normal like weekly kids as well as some of my kids I'm seeing like five to six days a week they heal all the time and for us it's about growing the future of equestrians and providing them with the education that they need to make good decisions basically i i love the the thought uh, of uh, certifications i i think that's a good idea to get the the children to to know where they are that's a good idea yeah it does a great job the kids can track their progress they can look at what yes. they're missing and it also means they can go home and do research if they need to we try to make sure that we're consistently available. My older kids, so my like 13, 14 year olds will message me and go, hey, 
you know, I was confused about this. Can you re-explain it? And then I can send them an explanation. Um, we have really, we're very lucky to have really, really good students, but we have not only a um, certificates that they can achieve so that we they then receive a physical certificate for completing it. We also on the wall of our barn have um, lists of like achievements that they need before taking the next step. So what they need before they canter and before they jump and stuff, because not only is it for the kids, but it's also for the parents because half the time it's not the kids that it, that want to be jumping high. It's the parents thinking that that's where the, ch the child needs to be. So mm. it does give us a really good way to keep track and also point the kids and the parents towards that when they ask like where their kid's at or why their kid isn't um, moving as quickly because we don't move our kids as quickly for the sheer factor that it's really important to us that the riders are riding for the horses and that means not rushing. So every step's done with balance and kindness and understanding what they're actually doing, not just doing it because they're told to. Oh, that's that's fantastic. I love the idea with the with the groundwork because it is missing uh, in many riding schools. Yes. Yeah, it's definitely it's it's missing over here too, which we see because we run camps and yeah. you see it at shows and you see it all over the place. And we're really lucky. There's, there's some amazing places over here that do really good groundwork. But for us, it's just, I've seen so many issues with horses that are caused by very, very simple boundaries and very simple training things. And so many of my riders don't just want to ride. They want to teach their pony tricks and they want to go for adventures with them. And all of that is basic groundwork and learning how to basically how to communicate with your horse. That's mm. the main important part. Yeah, that's fantastic. You were talking uh, a little about uh, you had a, a wild horse too. Um, yeah. yeah. So um, in New Zealand, we have Kamanoa Masters. So our wild horses are called the Kamanoas and they are fully wild. And we do a muster. We, we we're doing it every two years and then it's switched every year for a little bit. Um, and that's to protect our, like our um, native plants and things like that. And obviously to care for the horses, because if there's too many out there, obviously it's much harder for them to find food um, and have room. So they live out by army bases. And so they do sometimes see people, but they're not, they're still firmly wild. And last year I got one from the muster. I have never done a wild horse by myself before. Um, in complete honesty, training horses, I've only broken in what, like a handful of them fully. Um, it hasn't been my focus. And I got one from the muster and you kind of, you fill in an application of what you would like, but it just comes down to what's available. And so I wanted a three-year-old-ish cult for the sheer fact that I didn't want a mare because I most of them come in pregnant and I didn't need a foal um <laughs> and I I really really enjoy working with um 
the cults and stuff, but I got, I think he's probably only one when I got him. Um, so he was much younger than I had wanted, but he, we don't have the yards for a wild horse because obviously these guys are very good at jumping out and trying to climb out. So <laughs> their fences have to be very high. And so he was down the road from me. So I was visiting at least twice a day, but the master happens in winter. So for me, it was very difficult because I would go down there in the morning before I feed our horses. And then I go at night after coaching and feeding our horses. And it was dark at nighttime and you can't obviously work with them in the dark and I'd feed. And in the morning I'd feed and I don't believe in asking them anything when it's feed time because for them that's a safety like they need to be able to eat they need to be left alone while they do it so finding time to work with him while he wasn't eating in between coaching and stuff was surprisingly difficult um he is now we've had him just over a year he is in a paddock he's at home he's wonderful um I did have experience working with the wild horses when I was a working student. I worked for the Wilson sisters who um, had a whole batch of wild horses from the master the year I went. So I had experience working with them and stuff, but it definitely wasn't as hands-on as having your own. Um, but my one's called Miko. He's about two now. And I very quickly realized that I wasn't going to be able to work with him as I'd planned because he was much more skittish and jumpy than I'd anticipated. And obviously he's a wild horse. Like I knew he was going to be skittish and jumpy, but he was like on another level. And even after months and months of seeing us every day, he still thought we were like absolutely terrifying. And I switched his entire training to positive reinforcement based because pressure release wasn't working. Um, and I'd worked with plenty of like semi wild horses, pressure release wise, and they responded super, super well. He did not. Um, but now positive reinforcement based, he canters up to me in the paddock. He's, I am now at a point where I'm catching him and I'm leading him um, so that we can get sorted for him to be gelded because that has not happened yet and he's very slowly realizing that he is um a cult and that he's paddocked by girls so we kind of want to get that sorted before that kind of fully clicks in mm. um for me he was a really big piece in my learning with positive reinforcement training because generally with my own horses I am mainly pressure release and that that's just what works with my horses but I've had two horses in my journey that made me realize how important having that as a tool was and that was Miko my wild one and then I had another horse who's also a Kamanoa came out of the muster uh, like two years before she came to me and I'd never met a depressed horse before I met her there was just no light in her eyes she'd given up on life it was devastating I brought her and brought her home and I realized I could not work with her normally because she freaked out if you 
told her she was doing something wrong. She, and she was obviously an ex-wild horse and the people who had worked with her had done a good job, um, but she could not handle any sort of corrections. And she also just didn't have, she didn't want to try. She had no try in her at all. And we, I started playing around with positive reinforcement and it like flipped a switch. She's like a completely different horse. She's still not a horse that I think will ever enjoy riding, unfortunately. But I mean, she will, she self lines up to the mounting block. I can ride her around with, I just hop on her with no gear and ride her around. I don't have full steering, but um, it doesn't really matter for the sheer fact that she, she doesn't care. She'll just go where she's happy and chill and eat. And um, so she learns, she knows to target and she'll come up in the paddock and we go for free walks across the farm with nothing on and she just follows. Um, so yeah, anyway, like those guys changed a lot about how I train horses, both of them being um, ex-wild kimonoas and the kimonoas are like a wicked breed. We have a few of them in the riding school um, or crosses of them. They are known to be really chill horses when it comes down to it. And um, yeah, we so there's usually a musty every year now. There wasn't one this year um, for a couple of reasons. We had massive flooding um, in one of our um, areas and it was like, it like took the whole the whole country down basically trying to help them rebuild and stuff and it was a huge um equine area so we had a lot of horses looking for homes and a lot of businesses wow. out and it, it was pretty decent and horses died I mean there was a whole riding school up there that every single one of their horses died um from the flooding and stuff Ooh. it was and that's not normal for New Zealand like that it was pretty extreme oh. um and so that changed a lot for us in New Zealand. It's changed everything. Like um, it was a huge area for hay as well. So like New Zealand's having like almost a national like hay shortage and stuff. So that's always um, extra fun with as many horses as we have. We don't have a ton of land. So our horses are all um, get hay twice a day. And yeah, so that's not ideal, but yeah yeah and the the fact is that that you're always learning most of the difficult horses so i love the 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 thing that you had a wild horse and you get experience from that that is totally different from the other horses i think that's yeah fantastic. it was a so so different learning with them and i can also I sometimes like go up and work with him while one of my kids watches so I can explain what I'm doing and stuff because they they struggle enough to understand the difference between a school horse and a sport horse so the difference between handling one of the school ponies that could not care less what you're doing compared to I have um, young thoroughbreds as my sport horses and mm it's hard enough for them to comprehend how different they are compared to working with a wild horse that can, um, Miko is a little more flicks between fight or flight. Um, so he's not super aggressive, but you can tell very quickly when he 
flicks his ears back and kind of like um threatens you he definitely doesn't do it as often now but it's like a whole different ball game for the kids to see which I think is important because I think when you grow up around riding school horses you think every single horse is like doesn't spook and doesn't have any like issues and doesn't care whether you like um run around them and stuff although we teach the kids not to but you know when the school horses are so good it's very easy for them to forget that not all horses are like that yeah that's right that's right so um how is it with with the students do you have a, a lot of coming in or how is it in new zealand is there a lot of people that want to ride or you have to pick one here and one there how is it with that um, it's backwards and forwards we have like times it's winter at the moment so it's definitely not as popular of a sport especially because we are one of the handful in our area without an indoor arena um we keep our lessons stuff on rain or shine though and if it's raining they do a theory lesson um so whether that's learning you know horse first aid or how to gear up in the barn or whatever they'll be learning something else and we get we have a pretty consistent um like influx of students slowly coming in we offer a couple of different things like toddler programs and stuff so that um builds different students and then obviously we have the ones that we've had for years quite a few of our teenagers we've had for a decent number of years and they do volunteer hours in exchange for lessons and learning and stuff and it's so good for their learning mm -hmm. um but it's not so there's about six-ish riding schools in the area and I don't think we struggle to find people like they do a lot of people do want to ride not everyone stays in it um but the equestrian community is pretty big especially where we are we're at the capital so like it is a decent size um of popularity down here I, we definitely can't complain it just depends on we are not the most easily accessible place out of them all a lot more um more central but we offer something different we are the only place at the moment that offers um a mix of positive reinforcement and a mix of we really push that the kids learn how to see pain in the horses and notice stress indicators and how to limit stress and our biggest thing is no matter how you train we shouldn't be creating stress um sometimes we can't help if a horse gets stressed but we can at least do our best to not be the creators of that and I think we're one of the only places that kind of push that philosophy and have a really strong belief belief system there and we try so our horses are a mix between um ridden with bits or ridden in a halter so that the beginners can't um you know, like hurt them, hurt their mouths or whatever. Um, it's just little things we do to try to give the horses the best life we can as riding school horses because we all know it can be a little bit of a hard life because it can be a confusing one with lots of beginners. But our horses go out on the farm and go for hacks and the kids learn to ride up and down hills and 
as well as in the arena because I think that's life skills and in New Zealand a lot of places don't have arenas and stuff it's very normal just to learn how to ride in a paddock so we try to do a mix so the kids are set up to ride in either that's fantastic uh yeah as you said a, a lot of riding schools it's only in the paddock and nothing else and uh that's it that sounds great you you told me that you also have camps in the summer is, is that something special yeah um yeah well one one of the only places that holds camps where you can like in our area that you can um like we have horses that people can use and I adore them they're one of my favorite things to do camps are usually we run camps every holidays so in New Zealand we have four sets of holidays so we run at least one camp every holidays which is a three-day camp and in the summer we run two and one of them is now usually a five-day camp and we have different themes for each camp so last holidays we did a um filming camp so all the kids made horse trailers so they had to work together they had to plan they had to write out a plot for their um horse trailer and film it which is super fun really funny to watch um afterwards but also really great for their teamwork and their planning and stuff our summer camps are usually show camps so the kids do lessons on dressage and jumping and then do like a mini uh, a mini show on the last day where they earn ribbons and stuff and they're all very different this winter um which is in a couple of weeks our winter camp is informational based so we have three different people coming in to give information um and to have a talk about what they do so we have a body worker uh, advanced dressage rider and a vet behaviorist to come in and talk with the riders and stuff um we have been running our camps for quite a number of years and they change each time just to keep them interesting but they are like in the summer we have a swimming hole so they can take the ponies down and take them swimming and wow. we sometimes go for hacks and stuff and um they do a lot of things that they wouldn't usually do for the sheer factor that they help feed the horses morning and night and they are around the horses consistently and we'll hop on bareback and go to the swimming hole and we will yeah, they'll be able to spend more time for most of these guys they don't have their own horses and not all of them can come down all the time so it's a time where they can be around them and it's almost like just a little sneak peek into a full-time life with them basically and um gives them the ability to you know like they wake up and then they can go see the horses which is very different for most of them they are pretty popular especially with like our regular students and we've had quite a few students come to our camp and then move to our riding school um which is always nice and it's always interesting to we had some really, really cool kids that come every time but go other places. Um, but being the only place that runs camps, we're the only place they can kind of go, if that makes sense. But they are super, super fun. And it's a great way to um, for all the kids to see each other if they're in different groups or don't ride on the same days and make friends and stuff. And the kids usually have little vlogs 
that they film through they film throughout the camp and stuff and then they put them together and I'm also a photographer so I tend to photograph most of the camps if I'm not coaching and then the kids will get photos and stuff as well which is always handy because most of the you know young teenagers are all over social media so that's their thing (laughs) that's right do they live uh, by you then do you have food and room for them or or how is it yeah so so they stay the night um mainly in tents for the sheer factor that and um that tends to work really well at the moment they're staying in a but like a empty bus which has heating as well but which is um mine and my partner's but we're in the middle of selling it so it'll probably go back to tents in the winter um we either go stay at a camp down the road or we sleep inside just really depends but the tents give the kids a little bit of freedom and then they can talk and they don't have to worry about waking everyone up and things like that and they're in group tents and they can kind of choose we do give them the ability to choose they we do morning um lunch and dinner and the big thing is we cater to all um dietary requirements and stuff so we just adjust as necessary we usually get a couple of um vegans and dairy free and stuff like that so we do make everything able to suit them um because it's very hard if they have to bring their own food to like a three-day camp so we do lunch and tea on the first day all three on the middle day and then breakfast and lunch on the third day and they go home in the evening and consistently available snacks and stuff because it's really important when these kids are not used to being outside all day and stuff that we they consistently have the ability to eat more and stuff um by the end day almost every single kid is absolutely shattered and very very tired (laughs) Um, (laughs) that's a good thing for the parents to get them home then (laughs) I think I think at least half of the kids we get messages from the parents afterwards going they fell asleep before we left the driveway like (laughs) um it does really tire them out (laughs) but it's a great show of like most of these kids aren't used to outside life for like consistently like that um but they do very very well and we have a couple of older girls now who attend camps but can take on a little bit of like a um role where they don't need to be told what to do as much when it comes to the feeding and stuff and it gives not only gives them independence but it also means the other kids can look up to them and we have um what we call our mentor program where we have four riders on that and there are they're the kids that have shown the best sort of attitude they never complain they are consistent they are trustworthy they're always looking to help they volunteer the most and so they're on a mentor group and basically all that means is they get free lessons and we try to give them extra things I think um last holidays we took them over to a big sport horse stud over here so that they could go visit and see and see I mean the sport horse stud had horses that the kids couldn't dream of like their 
they had stallions from overseas and they had the majority of their show jumping horses sell for over like forty thousand dollars and stuff and so for the kids it was just seeing that side so being able to reward them like that is really handy um and they greatly appreciate it but without those guys helping us it would be very hard to do what we do because me and my mom run the base of it and we have one other coach with us and so without having those extra hands of those young teenagers we really couldn't do as much um as we can now especially with winter and it getting so dark and stuff and uh, it must be great for these teenagers too because you know a lot of teenagers today they are are lost in the internet as you say uh, just to to have the possibility to come out there and to be together with the horses and everything so it's fantastic yeah, yeah so, they do really really well yeah so if if somebody wants to get in touch with you where where can they find the, you are you also um, in in the media or yeah <laughs> or we are so yeah. we're little river equestrian um so it's a little river one word and then equestrian and we have facebook instagram websites all the socials um we're pretty active on there and that's mainly i i mean i'm a photographer so we do a lot of have a lot of photos to post which is always handy and i have quite a few social medias so it is really easy to um keep that up to date and stuff and yeah so website and stuff really easy to um get in contact or like just see what we do and stuff what what is the name of the website it's just little river equestrian all one word okay yeah that's great i want to have a look at at your photos that's that i think that would be a nice thing to have a look at as i said i have never been to new zealand it's uh, i love to hear about it so yeah it is a really really it is really really pretty um it's much prettier in the south island rather than up here we're in the north island um but it is really nice and i mean we're really lucky we're surrounded we're in a valley we're surrounded by hills um we have a river that runs through our property and then creeks in the majority of the paddocks which is pretty but also makes for means you don't have to have um, water troughs in the paddocks which is always handy and they get fresh water um and yeah I mean we definitely can't complain it's we live in Wellington so it is very windy is the probably the only complaint I could ever make um as in our normal it is not unusual to get 120k gusts through and stuff, um, but the horses get very used to it. I personally just avoid riding when it's really windy because my young thoroughbreds think that the wind's very scary. So yeah, <laughs> but I can I can uh, think that if we, if it is very windy, windy, you will not have a lot of flies then um not so yeah definitely not a ton um it's not too bad we get a lot of um sand flies and stuff depending on 
the weather. The weather here is very unpredictable. Okay. Um, you can usually get all four seasons in one day. So oh, wow. <laughs> it, it can, yeah, it can make it a little hard. Um, and temperature can be a little bit up and down, but it's definitely not awful. And we don't get snow or anything. So it's definitely not too bad. <laughs> Well, it's been a pleasure to meet you and uh, I'm so excited to hear about all your things. So thanks a lot to be Thank here. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, I hope you out there will get to see New Zealand to visit. <laughs> and um, I hope you like the podcast today and please subscribe. So we are getting on with more persons every week so thanks a lot for today and have a great day and thank you for coming <laughs>